Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, Championship Sunday edition. What the hell? Your host, as always, Brandon. Join my co-host, Nick and Dan. I'm out. Like, I'm exhausted, Nick. I'm, I only watched one game, but I paid attention to the results of the others. And my God, if I have to see a minute-by-minute table update one more time from Rebecca Lowe, I'm going to quit NBC Sports. Uh, Yeah, I mean... (laughs) This has been such a long season condensed into like a month shorter time period due to COVID. And it was like watching the end of a marathon when people are, are tripping and falling down due to exhaustion. And it was uh, it was something, something else. But uh, glad we made it over the line. Just just barely. Well, obviously, as we're all exhausted, we had to bring in special guests. So Gary Hayes. Uh, longtime friend of the pod. Don't even know how to introduce you because you have your hand in so many different pots. But now the official Chelsea Twitter Spaces connoisseur. Yeah, maybe, maybe a pro- professional whiner. I think is a good one. <laughs> That's how you make a living. We've seen it. We've seen that that play work many a times over. I, I was normally a lot more positive, but as I'm getting older, I'm getting more and more pissed off. You're turning the corner becoming a legacy. I, I'm fan. looking at Nick wearing that shirt and I'm thinking that I think that was the last time I was happy as a Chelsea <laughs> fan when Batshuayi scored at West Brom in that shirt. Yeah. That was the Conte for those of you listening the Conte away kit the black stripes mm-hmm. with the neon trim. That that is a lie. I was actually like tantric when Lampard got appointed but then I've had a bit of a a difficult 6 months or so. That's why I went. I went away from the kit, Dan. As did you. I went the Canners shirt. It's a quality shirt. Uh, Yeah, it's a good call. You know, look. Went went with the uh, you know the nice uh, hoodie here for this season. Just you know, royal blue, the nineteen oh five. Talking about legacy. Talking about history. That's great. Thrilling since nineteen oh five. Look, we we have a lot to cover in this one. Uh, We're going to be talking about Chelsea's extraordinary luck to finish fourth for a second season in a row. Uh, The lack of finishing hurting the Blues in the big moments continues. Uh, Lack of discipline from leaders on the team, potentially. And then what this means for the final of the Champions League on Saturday. 
To which I so elegantly pitched to you, Nick, because we have some news about this upcoming final in the the UEFA Champions League against Manchester City. Yeah, Uh, we're going. Uh, yeah, which is is a wild thing to say out loud, but wanted to let everyone know that we uh, we were incredibly fortunate uh, to have the opportunity to go to the Champions League final next Saturday. We know uh, a lot of folks are not able to go due to travel restrictions and the limited amount of tickets, but one of our incredible friends and season ticket season ticket holders uh, got us uh, tickets and, and gave us a chance to go. So. We're going to be sharing more about what our plans are um, when we when we travel over uh, on Thursday for a, a quick holiday weekend. Uh, but we are we're thrilled to have this opportunity of a lifetime, and we are going to be your source for on the ground coverage basically every minute that we're there, all sixty five hours uh, <laughs> that we're on the ground. And uh, yeah, we couldn't be more thrilled. So uh, stay tuned to this space, and uh, and we'll see what happens, Dan. It's going to be wild. Yeah, as Nick was kind of putting it, uh, Gary, I think this is the most insane thing we've ever done as a group of individuals, and yep. that uh, has just trounced uh, going to Oktoberfest for a twenty-eight hour period. Um, Spe- by speaking, of booze, speaking of booze, speaking of booze, recommendations. Do I, do I get a free crate of Coors Light for coming on here? Do I <laughs> <laughs> through through Blue Wire? Code, yeah. code London is blue. I don't think we're allowed. To- Gary, it's in the mail. Kevin Don't Jones, worry about if you're it. listening, I want my free crate of Coors Light, please. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how many beers come in a crate as well. That'd be. I'd be interested to That's see. That's 24 over here. You just oh, hear. You, you hear the case a crate. Yeah, it's a case. You hear the truck backing up outside of your house, like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> vehicle is reversing. <laughs> a bit like Chelsea. Oh, oh, no. oh, all right. That was a good one. Hey, let's just jump right into the three word match reviews before we get into the actual uh, details of the match. So, Dan, what in the world do we have coming here? A lot of Welsh references. <laughs> yeah. Uh, expected Chelsea at the Wales Golf Chelsea in that order. We had to <laughs> Trey with the magic spray activate JW exactly as planned. Uh, D Rob with one that was pretty popular with a bunch of people, which is Gareth bailed out. Nicholas with the 10th to 4th. Nathaniel with the Bless Lampard's goals, our friend Shane with Up the Blurs, and then Mr. Thurman with a Little Spursy, and last one from Steve with Casper's Friendly Goal. I liked, I like Casper's Friendly Goal, and I like these were all selected by Nick, and uh, I think you did a good job, Nick. I think you did a good job picking the reviews today. Well, the the good thing about Discord is there is like a voting system for people who. Who feel like one is better than the other. So I tried to go with the ones that had the most uh, support behind them. Uh, how democratic of you. I, I can. I think everyone can appreciate that. Uh, I put that feels gross. Just yep. the way that I had to go watch the Spurs match and and watch Gareth Bale put in the fourth and feel great about that. Um, that whole time was, was terrible. Uh, Dan? Uh, well, I, I put this. Uh, this was kind of more of a Leicester one, but caught whales watching. <laughs> I like that. Damn it. Damn it. Hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, Brendan Rogers a, does it again. Doing us all the favors every time. I love it. Mine is uh mine is two years running. This is the second year in a row that we have gotten incredibly lucky to finish in the top four and in a Champions League spot. From Leicester. Uh, from Leicester. I mean, good lord. Uh Gary Hayes? Got bailed out. Yep. <laughs> Sure, sure did. 
Uh, I mean, it's look. funny, isn't it? It's almost like no one wants the top four. Like you say, last season was crazy. Then it comes here again, and it's the same thing. A multi-million pound hand of uh, hot potato. <laughs> Incredible. It's... Do you want this big bag of money? Are you sure? Oh, no. I'll hand it to somebody else. They want the big bag of money. (laughs) I'd rather kick it in my own goal. That's fine. I'd rather set up a Super League. (laughs) I mean, at this point, that that was much easier than what the hell we just went through. Um, Real quick, just thank you to Thomas Jusset and Sam for the yearly subs on Patreon. uh, And to Lindsay, Zach, Sean, and Iris for uh, joining on the monthly uh, plan there. And Dylan Montz, Dale1979, Bog34, Dude, David, Scott sings the blues, and uh, someone else with a 1993 at the end of their name all drop in five star reviews. And look, I know a lot of you don't like this part, and I understand, and, and helps grow the pod. But you got to stop and listen to this, Dan, because this is hands down, I have to say, the best review we've ever gotten, and I can't wait for more of them. It's it's in the the Hall of Fame. It's it's definitely one of the top two or three, but this one is best podcast for Chelsea. My husband has spent many hours of his life listening to this podcast. He has even managed to join something called Discord and interacts with many like-minded people discussing Chelsea beer and pro wrestling, question mark. Pros, he listens to the podcast while cleaning the kitchen. This benefit speaks for itself. He also listens while folding laundry. It also gets returned to the correct location when folded. (laughs) Magic. Discord seems to be a testing ground for his dad jokes. He wakes up early on the weekends to watch soccer with our kids. He is now friends with a Bert and Ernie. Pretty sure that's on a secret bucket list for him. (laughs) Cons. I know a lot about Chelsea. A lot. Mason Mount. Fran Kirby. Petr Cech. Why can I name these people? Is this the source of this knowledge? From Brett's wife's phone. See, that is choice. It... When you wonder why a five-star review is so impactful to us, and then you hear that, I mean, it just warms your heart. That's it. That's amazing. Spouses, unite. Come on. All right. Lastly, Nick, over to you. We've uh, been selling shirts in case you missed it. Uh, It's on social media. Uh, We are just, we're pumping them out. A massive amount of support on these things. Yeah. Dan, Dan did an incredible job getting the first like 80 shirts shipped out in the first day of 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 uh going live i think was wednesday or something dan some yeah it was a busy day yeah so we just had the shirts flowing in uh and so we we got a lot shipped out people are getting them they're sharing their pictures if you have a shirt post a photo on instagram or twitter or both uh we want to see them we want to see you wearing them uh so do that but we have less than what Dan eighty shirts left. Yeah, we're, we're getting we're getting down there, and I think the big thing to keep in mind is that since we are now have announced that we're going to Porto, uh, which we are all leaving on Thursday, uh, Monday is a great day to get your order in because that mm-hmm. way I can at least make sure it gets in the mail before we get out of town. So uh, Monday, great day, especially if you're in the U.S. because that way you can get it before the final. If you wait until Tuesday or Wednesday, taking putting fate in your own hands. Much yeah. like Chelsea. And just uh, a reminder, just a reminder that part of the proceeds go to the Common Goals uh, anti-racism project. So it's a, it's a big deal for us to sell these out. We have upcoming episodes. Uh, you're going to hear this on Monday. You're going to hear from Matt Law early this week, his villa victorious today. Uh, and then you are going to hear a shit ton of coverage from us on the ground in Portugal. Uh, we're going to be doing videos. We're going to be doing podcasts. We're going to be creating as much uh, content as you can stomach. So big week. Let's go. 
All right, well, here we go. It's match review time. It was Aston Villa in the Premier League on Championship Sunday, the 23rd of May at Villa Park. And in case you missed it, the scoreline was Villa 2, Chelsea 1. Uh, we'll throw it over to the Chelsea Fist stand-up, the only official app from Chelsea. They let us use the audio to run it back and remind you the drama and the disgust that we went through. Here we go. Jorginho. Great run by Azpilicueta. He rolls the ball back. Real chance oh. for Chelsea, but it's lifted over the top. Best chance they've had so far. Good work by McGinn to steal possession back for Villa. They're outnumbering Chelsea here. And it's only just wide by John McGinn. For Chelsea to contend with here, it's rolled back to Traore. And Aston Villa have got themselves the lead. This wasn't in the script. Grealish who works the one-two and finds himself in space as Villa attack the whole tent here. Traore goes down and it's a penalty to Aston Villa. A huge moment. It will, of course, be looked at by VAR. He steps up here and he scores. And it's looking like a huge task now for Chelsea. Explosive counter-attacking unit when they need to be pulled. Threaded through to Aspilicueta. Big challenge by target. Goal. Chelsea have had another goal. He's offside. Out. It's quite obvious to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's clear. It's a good decision by the assistant. One goal could completely change the mood, couldn't it, Clive? Absolutely. Pulisic makes his way into the area and yes. Chelsea have got one yes. back. Ben Chilwell with the goal and all of a sudden Chelsea have some hope. Well, that's what we wanted, isn't it? And we said one goal could make a difference and as we're saying it, it's in the back of the net. Been on the fringes of the game this afternoon, Jack Grealish clearly no way near full fitness. So goes down there. Rickard has come out. Grealish is looking for the free kick. There is a foul there. Oh, it's a swing out, isn't it? Champions League final on the horizon. Very immediate horizon, just six days away. Aston Villa, the winners here this afternoon. But the bigger picture, Chelsea are in the Champions League. They will finish the season on 67 points, fourth position, one point ahead of Leicester City. Finishes Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 1. All right, Dan, lineup time. All right, well, it was Emma Mendy between the sticks, uh, at least for a little bit. It was Reese James, Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger as the back three, Azpilicueta, Jorginho, Kovacic returning to the lineup, and Ben Chilwell as the four, and then Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, and Timo Werner as the attacking three. Keparitha Balaga as a substitute for the injured Mendy, Marcus Alonso, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, Livy Giroud, Calm Hudson-Odoi, and Billy Gilmore all unused. And then Hakim Ziyech and Kai Havertz came on later in the match. Uh, some of the top line stats before we throw it to you, Gary. Uh, we had 23 shots to their six. We had seven on target to their three. We had 72% possession. We had well over double their passes. Our pass accuracy is 89% to their 68%. We had 12 fouls to their yellow. We had four cautions to their three, even though all three of theirs, I'm pretty sure, were for time-wasting and none for tackling. We did have a red card, and we had two offsides to their none, and we had nine corners to their two. And at XG Philosophy, wrapping this one up with uh, Aston Villa 1.17 to Chelsea's 3.78 goal uh, expected. Even though it was two to one, Gary, dealer's choice, lineup, stats, XG. What stands out to you the most? Well, I'm not one for XG, but when you see the XG 
it shows that uh, Chelsea need a striker, right? I mean, over three is a lot. And I think we've seen over three a few times here. And to have one, probably not enough. So then I'll push you to the front three with Timo Werner and Pulisic and and behind him. Um, It seemed like the second Havertz came on, it was a completely different and much more effective setup up front. I think that the the issue is, is that Werner gets a lot of stick, but I think he's playing out of position. I think he's an inside left in the way that um, Pulisic or Mount has been playing as the, the inside right and left. He's not a number nine. If you're playing that system, unless you've got a lean or messy, you, you don't have a false nine. I think you need a number nine. You, you know, imagine someone like a peak Aguero in this team or to put a Chelsea spin on it, a peak Drogba. Drogba would have had a hat trick today. The game would have been over by 30 minutes. Um, when we sign Harry Kane in the summer, because we're going to swap, <laughs> we're going to swap uh, Tammy and uh, Kepa for him, right? Um, he would have had a goal fest today. I think when you see that XG, I think XG sort of gets overplayed a lot. But at the same time, for games like this, it sort of shows the chances that Chelsea were creating that the shots they, that we were having weren't just long range efforts that can sort of um, mess with the stats a bit, right? Where they can tell a different story. It just shows that. These play, these really creative players we got are creating the opportunities. There's just no one to finish it off. And even when um, was, I think it's like midway through the first half that Chilwell, we were on a break and Chilwell got the ball and and then after he, he didn't cross it, he dillied and dallied a little bit and um, Tuchel was like roasting him on the sideline after. But I just feel for him because I look, I'm like if he looks up, there's no one in there. So, yeah. and and that's not to criticize Werner because that's not his game. You know, if he's looking, Chilwell's looking up thinking, I want to whip it in for an Abraham or a Giroud or a Kane or a Drogba. And there's no one there to really, you know, there's no presence through the middle. So it makes it easier to defend against because teams know that Chelsea have got to try to play through them all the time. So yeah, and players like Mings just end up having an easy game, right? There are two things that I want to call out. Uh, Olivier Giroud has an insane goal-scoring record against Aston Villa. One. Uh, second is another stat just for the for the homies here. Tammy uh, Abraham finishes uh, six scored from a simple XG of 6.23. Timo uh, finishes with six with an XG of 11.77. <laughs> now, look, there's a severe difference in the amount of games played there, and there's a lot that you can you can read into that. And maybe for sure, what you're saying, for- though, is that when... Werner's got a clear cut chance. He's putting one and two away. When Tammy's got a clear cut chance, he's scoring it. And Pretty much. Um, that that's the disappointing thing is that you know I don't want to get caught up too much in this idea of he's proper Chelsea because he's been there since seven. But he is proper Chelsea since he's been there because he's been there since he was seven, right? But I'm just looking. I just think that if if they want to move him on, fine. That's that's absolutely fine because managers have different ideas. But when you've got you're putting square pegs in round holes. Give the guy a chance. You know, he's shown in the last 18 months what he can do. He scored a lot of goals last season. He got a decent return. He's had a he's had a decent return this season, given the circumstances. I just think give him a chance. You, you've got no one else. So why put a square peg in a round hole when you can actually put a, a striker through the middle? Well, and we, we looked better. You know, I think I think the point here is we looked a lot better when we went four two four. You had you had Reese and what Mason, I guess, dropped back a little bit yeah. um, in in the midfield, and you just went Pulisic, uh, Werner, Havertz, and and uh, Ziyech. Ziyech, Ziyech. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I, like, I'm glad they. I'm glad he tried to switch it up a little bit at the end and, and tried something else. But like, if it were me at halftime, I would have tried something dramatic because nothing else matters. Like that 45 minutes that you have in front of you is what you can control out of the scenario. And you know, I think Chelsea's second half performance was better, but it wasn't enough. I think uh, it's it's always funny to look at who has the shots in these matches, right? So Mason with six shots. Led the team. I think he led the entire league. All right, today with six shots. Um, then you had Chilwell on four with a goal. Havertz on four, and then Timo with three. Pulisic on Havertz two. had four shots at goal. Yeah, and he wow. came in what seventieth minute. Wow. So and that just I don't know sh- why he didn't go for Giroud at that point. Because I know, I know it's not the be or an end or, and it's, people might say that it's a bit too old fashioned. But in a game like that. You've got all these nifty players on the ball. Just whip the ball in sometimes. You've got yeah, James I, who can whip it in. You've got um, Aspie who can whip it in. You've got Chilwell who can whip it in. Just give a bit of presence so that someone like Werner can feed off the scraps. Because even Giroud, the way he pivots off players, you saw it in, you know, he's done it well for Chelsea, like the way Hazard played off him. You know, when, um, you know, obviously a couple of years ago when Hazard was there, but, you know, even in the World Cup to go a bit back, you know, back a bit further that, He's got that ability that he's not just a goal scorer, you know. And then you you look at what he did in, you know, against uh, Atletico with the the bicycle kick as well. He's he's got goals in him, you know. So him or Abraham, I just don't understand this desire to sort of be stubborn and not play the striker. Yeah, I did did think when Havertz came in, he was able to push forward and and get into those spaces and those channels really well, which was nice to see. And I think, you know, he actually, you know, continues to find ways to use his frame in a way that Mm -hmm. I think that don't, you know, gets a little underrated because he looks so lanky relative to like a Mings or someone where he he looks very skinny to a stocky uh, gentleman. But I think he still lacks a little bit of presence though. And that's, again, that's not to criticize him because that's not his game. It's sort of like, criticizing a striker for not being a good goalkeeper you know but I just think Giroud's got that presence that he could have really contained that that central defensive pair because it it becomes an easier afternoon for them you know I think he would have come on if not for the Mendy injury right like then you're kind of forced into a situation where you have to choose between okay like I I now only have two attacking choices I might have to save one a little later in case someone else gets injured and you know that kind of really constricted I think Tuchel's ability to make the right subs or make the subs maybe even earlier well and then you know just to remind everybody disgustingly that uh 11 of our shots were completely off frame. So you talk about wanting a better striker or taking our chances in a much better way. So 23 shots, 11 were off target, seven on target and five, only five were blocked. Right. So again, it's, it, it, it just goes back to the bigger point that it was on us not taking our chances rather than, um, you know, Villa throwing their bodies in front of everything or things like that. It just was not it. Um, I think we're, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to take the real quick ad break, get it out of the way. Uh, but we thank the sponsor for financially supporting the show. And we're back. We're going to go right back into how the hell we fell ass backwards into top four. We're bare back. I mean, I don't know how this happened. Like watching the games, texting with friends on Discord, refreshing the table throughout the match. There were more ways once we, once everyone else went up and we went down 
that we were not going to get in than we were, yet somehow we ended up in the top four. And it really comes down to today, you know, without the the wider context of everything, Le- Leicester City just completely capitulated for the second season in a row. Uh, so, again, before we get into the match and everything like that, considering where we were when Tuchel took over, what what is the the essential barometer test of okay we've we've gotten to two cup finals we've now locked in top four we lost the cup final Champions League is a one off how are you feeling Gary especially we know how big of a supporter you were of Lampard and his job and giving him time to learn and breathe uh, how are you feeling what is it nineteen matches for Tuchel yep um I think for Tuchel. We're not going to see his team until October, November, um, because I think it's harsh to to criticise him. But then I think it's foolish to praise him too much either. To say that he's sort of like the saviour and the messiah because he inherited a, and I don't mean it's a difficult situation by virtue of the fact where Chelsea were. What I mean is that it's difficult for any manager taking over a team midway through a season um, when you've got twenty four hours to. Um, you know, have a coaching session before you start your first game, right? And then you're playing Monday, uh, sorry, uh, Sunday, Monday, Saturday, Wednesday. You know, throughout the season. Um, so he's not. He wouldn't have had loads and loads of time with the players on the on the training pitch as well. It'd have been about uh, tactical sessions and recovery sessions. So um, I just look in. It's, it's difficult to judge him. But then I think you look at where Chelsea are. Just think, what was the point in sacking Lampard? I just don't. I don't. The, the same things we knew about this team exist under Tuchel whether he can put them right remains to be seen because he's put some stuff right but then by putting one thing right at the back it's damaged the thing that we were good at which was scoring goals and attacking under Lampard because I think the stats are that we scored half the goals we did in this same period as we did under Lampard but obviously our defensive um, setup has been been more more resilient right so if you look at it, he's, he's won nine more points in this half of the season as to what Lampard did. Um, so I don't think that's a huge, huge difference. Obviously, that puts Chelsea in the top four, right? Um, but I, I still believe that Chelsea, given the fixtures that we had when Lampard was, when he got the sack, that it wasn't an easy run of fixtures, but I think it was a get-right set of fixtures, um, which I think played into Tuchel's hands. I just think that the same things we knew about this team exist now. We know our best player by a country mile is Mason Mount. And then outside of that, when fit, Christian Pulisic is our second best player. Because I think we've seen it in fits and starts this season. Um, and I think with a rest and a pre-season under his belt, we're going to see a more consistent player next season. I think we know, well, from my perspective, it might be an unpopular opinion, which my dog agrees with, as you can hear. Yep. He, knows what, he knows what I'm about to say. That's the cue. I think... Uh, J5, as he's branded, um, is garbage. I think Kovacic uh, Kovacic um, is garbage. Um, oh my god! And I just think that we just <laughs> wow. <laughs> just looking at your faces, I can't. Kovacic. I've never heard Kovacic Kovacic. Well, that is it, unbelievable. Watch, you watch Kovacic. He gets the ball. He runs. I'm like, where are you going? Where, where, oh, that's where you're going. Down that cul-de-sac. He found it. Oh, wait. And then you... Oh, there, there's another one. He finds... Some players find space. Kovacic finds a cul-de-sac. He does nothing with the ball. He assists the assist of the assist of the assist of the assister. 
which is the thing you can do when you're on the bench. You know, I'm just like, I just don't get it. I look at it and I think, what did Chelsea gain from him being in this team? Seriously, what did Chelsea gain from him being in this team? I just, I just don't know what we get. And I look at it and I think that this is Chelsea's problem and it has been the problem for, you know, the last 20 years maybe, that where you have expensive signings, high-profile players that are sat on the bench or getting their way into a team where you're like, what we're expecting from you isn't much more than we would expect from a cheaper player or an academy product, right? So you, you imagine if you put Gilmore in that team today, would you expect Gilmore to have been any worse than Kovacic? No, you wouldn't have done. And th- that's the thing that frustrates me about it. And I just look at it and I just think that there's dead wood in this team that needs to be moved on. Whether the club's got the stomach to do it or not remains to be seen. But also whether they've got the ability to do it because I think Chelsea is stuck with a lot of dross that they just can't ship out. Well, I mean, like Champions League football means that Chelsea are in a far different financial position than they would have been otherwise, right? Uh, and so, you know, perhaps, you know, we'll, we'll do an end of season recap and and certainly got to bring you on now, uh, given <laughs> given what you just said. <laughs> that's a that's a goddamn fact. Um, but I, I think you look at Tuchel, you know, I'll get back to Tuchel here really quick. I think you can be really, really happy with what the team has achieved. And in many of these games, Chelsea have been the dominant team. Um produced more, created more, just haven't finished at a rate that is acceptable for the amount of talent that's supposedly in the team. I, I feel like we play with Tuchel with the handbrake on. And and that's, again, I'm not criticising him there because I think that... The results, the results say you, you can't really criticise him, right? Like, yeah, no, but what, what I mean, though, is that I feel like we play with the handbrake on, but that's wise management. Because he's come in mid-season. Like I say, he hasn't got time to be there with players on the training ground doing all different things, right? You know, he might be able to inject a bit of life into him through different um, sessions. But in terms of getting them set up more in what he wants to see, right? He can't do that until he has a pre-season. He's so the, that, that's uh, he's I mean. the wartime you... concierge. You know, he's come in to control the chaos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's sort of like what Hiddink did in, you know, 0-9-10. Um, yeah. You know, and it's what um, you know, Avram Grant did in 0708. But that that's what I mean is that you you look at and you know Di Matteo did it in eleven twelve, right? I think that you look at Tuchel, and I'm excited to see what he can do because he's shown he's a good manager. He's shown he knows how to, you know, set a team up and stop them being beaten. But what he needs to do now in the summer is take that step forward. And that's where he'll be judged, right? Come October, November time, because that's when you're seeing his thumbprint on this team. Cause it's still very much a Lampard Sarri hybrid at the moment. Um, so, but to go back to it, um, the question was, what was the question? Sorry. Are you, are like, how happy are you with Tuchel or not? Essentially, what's your kind of temp check? Were you on asking him? on a scale? Were you asking like, like on we a were, scale of one to 10 or like what, what are you we trying were, to engage on? <laughs> we were, we were 10th when he took over. We finished fourth, right? So like part of that job is done. It doesn't mean that that's the, the end goal. Like I think we would have got. I think we would have got top four with or without him. Really? Yeah. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I think we would have. I. I but then the thing is, we'll never know, right? I, I. I could be talking from a complete Lampard drunk perspective, thinking he was going to do it. Maybe he wouldn't have done it. I don't know. But I. What What really frustrates me about it is 
the way it's happened, obviously, you know, it's funny that of all the Spursy things to do, we win against um, Leicester, which sort of confirms they couldn't get the Champions League, which they knew we weren't going to get anyway. In 2012, we took the Champions League off them by winning it. And then they go out all gusto in the second half to win and they're celebrating like, yeah, Spurs, we win. It's like, you do realise what you've just done. If I was Ryan Mason in it, I'd have been like, Chelsea are done. Let's let Leicester win. Because what did Spurs gain out of that? Apart from the fact that we're a Champions League team again European and we're going to sign Harry spot. Kane to play Champions League football for us. <laughs> and they finished above Arsenal, right? So you don't have... So they get Tottenham European State. Conference, right? They get the, uh, the the third tier of European Ugh. football. <laughs> I, do, I, think, I don't know, but <clears throat> I, I just think that... Um, I think that Chelsea would have got top four this season. But then even still, like, you know, if we didn't get it today with Tuchel, I wouldn't have been mad at Tuchel. And I wouldn't have been particularly mad either because I just think where this team is, is that Chelsea's mistakes, they're always chasing, we must get this, we must get this. And it's at all costs, at all costs. And then they sort of forget what they're trying to achieve. And it's always these short-term goals that it feels great when you get the euphoria of, oh, we're in the Champions League again or we're here, we're there. And it's like, yeah, where, where are we going to be in two years and three years? Too many ideas changing, changing, changing. Well, that's... So I think Tuchel himself has done a good job, but I just think that it's a job that where we are and some of the performances we've had, I think we'd have had these performances anyway. Well, and you've got, I mean, that's a consistent with Chelsea, right? The short-termism and, and you know, moving with wherever the, the pulse is at the time. But um, the fact that we beat Atletico and we beat Real and, you know, you can even say we beat Porto in the Champions League. I felt like that was, those are always steps beyond where we we're at under Lampard at the time. So for him to come in and, and immediately bring consistency to a team that was wildly inconsistent leading up to that point, I think gave the fans a lot of immediate excitement. And then to agree with the second point, Gary, is that the fact is at the end of this season, we've run out of steam. These players are no longer, um, you know, performing above kind of their average and they've regressed to their means and we're realizing that it's not good enough. So while I feel like Tuchel's system has done enough to win games and be great, the players have fallen short of what is needed of them, of scoring, of um, you know, playing defensively and just, uh, you know, the fact the new midfield and a striker and like, we should be pretty set for next season, but that's also asking a hell of a lot of someone. Um, if you compare it because Lampard was sacked at the halfway spot, Dan Chelsea youth tweeting, tweeting that he said exactly it's in the second half of fixtures, Chelsea won three more than we lost. We drew five more. We scored eight fewer and we considered 10 fewer therefore claiming nine points overall. So we we did do better in the second half than the first half. The bigger difference being we scored eight less goals, which is a lot, but we also mm. conceded 10 fewer, which is definitely the Tuchel play on that. And we wildly ended up on 67 points in the top four. By the way, that seems like a really low points total for top four. So, yeah, that that's the lowest since 15-16. Uh, so yeah. it's it's been or, or uh, fourteen fifteen. So it has it has been a while. That, what was that our points low. last season? I can find oh, it. You can keep going. Question Dan. off the top of my head. Uh, what but what what I'll say is just with the kind of the the change or the changing of the guard. I mean, look, you know, we, we got more defense. You know, solidly defensive. You know, so we were able to stop conceding goals. We found ourselves advancing in the champions to the champions league final. Like I, I think the sliding doors conversation is always going to be there around like could Lampard have gotten this done or could we have made it 
you know, the same pathway forward and we'll never get a chance to play those out except maybe in a, a FIFA simulation. But in, you know, the, the math works out in Tuchel's favor that he was able to do what he needed to do to set the team up to be successful. We could have been even more successful. We could have been further clear of of this end of the season, last day, 15-minute overlap if we were just converting our chances. Because since Tuchel came in, we are now negative 11 XG. We are like one of the worst teams in the league right now. I mean, like we, we're, we're doing worse than Brighton in terms of converting. That's what I mean. Brighton has the worst luck. <laughs> He fixed one problem and created another, right? And that, that's not his fault. And I've said I said this after the this after the FA Cup final. I was like, and it's been Chelsea's problem for a long time. Chelsea's problems aren't manager problems, they're player problems. Yeah. And they sack managers and think that everything's going to be great again. And what happens is you get the honeymoon. And I feel for Tuchel because he he's tried to do some different things and he's done some good things, right? But then you still get to positions with some of these players and you're like, oh, I mean, Christ. At the end of the day, right, last year, we finished 30 points off of City uh, and Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool won the league, I suppose. Uh, and the year before, is about the same. This year, we're going to finish 19 points off of City, who won the league, which means that we've slightly closed the gap. But, I mean, the, there there is a significant gap there between league winners and fourth place and even Manchester United go an entire season without losing an away game. Chelsea lose twice to Arsenal. We lose and draw to Villa. We lose and draw to West Brom. We draw twice against Southampton. I like there. There are some. Oh, and, and lose and draw against Wolves. <laughs> uh, like there are some incredibly winnable games in here that you know should. If Chelsea would have taken care of business early on, today wouldn't have been a, a thing. Today wouldn't have mattered. We would have just been in top four and and could have played eleven Billy Gilmore's. Um, but I mean, like in terms of progress, and as you were as you were saying, Gary, that that wasn't where I was going with this part of the script. But honestly, I think it's fascinating. The you know, okay, cool. You you go from thirty to nineteen. What the hell is it going to take to get from nineteen to win? I mean, well, that's a yeah. Huge so if gap. you look at last season, yeah, you look at last season, right? Liverpool won the the league on ninety nine points, right? Chelsea finished on sixty six, so we're thirty three behind. A slap 33. bang, three. Okay, class. yeah, thirty three. But behind City, we were fifteen because they finished on eighty one. This season, they finished on eighty six. We finished on sixty seven. So that's what 19. 16, 19 points, right? So you could argue we're closer to the top. Or you could just argue that it's been such a mad season, you can't really use anything as a barometer for where you are in terms of closer to the teams. I think that we are closer to City than we were this time last year. Um, how much Tuchel's played in that, I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows, right? Um, because, like I say, I, I think with him, you've got to hold judgment on him, good or bad, until... October, November time when he's had a preseason with these players and he's and he's got more players because you look at what he's playing with, he's playing a system that would he keep this system? I hope he does because I like it. But would would he keep it? Will he try to, you know, um bring a couple of players in in certain positions that are going to help him play in a different way? Who knows? But one thing's for certain, Chelsea can't play the way that they have been, like Dan's saying there, with this crazy minus XG. And, you know, cause you, you think if we had scored those eight extra goals that we could have scored, you know, in terms of what it was in the, 
in the first half of the season that maybe we're finishing fourth comfortably. But the flip side of that is imagine if we conceded those extra 10 goals that you might have conceded with Lampard that maybe we wouldn't have got top four. You know, I just think it's, it's just been a mad, mad season. Part of that too in the second half of the year, and I think this is where you really have to get Tuchel a lot of credit, right? You think about the way that we played against the big teams under Lampard, for the most part, didn't go that well. You think about the way we played against the big teams this half of the season, it's gone quite well. That's um, what I mean is that his, his game management has been better where I think with Lampard, whether it was naivety or whether it was this desire to prove himself too quick, he was too gung-ho against the big teams and he he didn't play them. His game management wasn't good enough, which is fine, right? Because you expect that of a rookie manager, sort of the way that you expect it with a younger player. You know, we, I'm staying here just a minute ago talking about would you rather Kovacic or Gilmore play because you'd expect the same sort of performance out of Gilmore as you would with Kovacic. But the hope is that Gilmore is the future and that Gilmore will be better than Kovacic is now, right? And I think with Lampard as a coach is that he outwitted some big coaches, but then equally... You know, when we played City, you know, the, the game when they beat us at home this season in January was just horrible. Some of the defending was just a joke. Like when they broke away and Sterling hit the post and De Bruyne put it in and the way the defence was, was just, it was just horrible. It was just a joke. You know, so you look at that and you think that should they have played it, should they have been tighter at the back? Should they have been a bit more calculated? Yeah, whereas I think Tuchel, that, that's what he's got, is that he's quite comfortable going, yep, I'm just going to sit here and play this game of chess with you, whereas Lampard was too eager to really go for the jugular early. Yeah, it's it's literally a tale of two halves of the season. And again, somehow got over the line. Um, but if we if we move on to like the match itself, which we've tried to sandwich this in because this is the least fun part of today's podcast, it it was awful. It lacked finishing, created a lot of chances. I was I was excited at the beginning of the match. I was like, "All right, here we're up for it. We're pushing. Like we aren't waiting for them. Like we're taking it to uh, Villa. This will be good." Jack Grealish, very early on, being quite annoying, and then it just kind of grew. The trends grew kind of in opposite ways. Uh, Chilwell getting the goal uh, that that gave us hope that we actually didn't end up needing. So Naz. Uh, had some quotes from Tuchel said, quote, today was the story of our season. We needed many clean sheets to overcome a lack of composure and precision. Today, we conceded two goals out of nothing and from set pieces. We made it hard to come back, end quote. And then Liam, given his uh, kind of perspective on this, he just said, the league campaign was hugely disappointing in the context of last summer's spending, right? Mm -hmm. Based on the players we brought in. One more point. And one fewer win than last season with 11 fewer goals scored and no one reaching double figures in terms of goals. Tuchel has salvaged things very well overall, but the attack is a mess. And then Nick, plug in yourself in here. Same story, isn't it? Press, press, press. And the responses I got to this were hilarious, <laughs> by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we don't have to say a whole lot here. I, I, I think the... I think it's just pretty apparent for, for everybody. And I'd rather praise Chilwell for a really great performance than, than to take anyone else down. But I mean, it, the, Liam's point, I think is probably the point of the whole podcast. <laughs> I mean, you, you tried to solve this problem last summer. Like you knew that you, you might have an issue. <laughs> and instead we had to change our formation to a back three so that we, if we did score a goal, it was in a one nil win instead of a, a one to three defeat. You know, I, like it's 
it's it's crazy. So yeah, there's a lot to fix there, but I I'm I'm happy Dan for Chillwell because he had an excellent game. Well, I think he's had a, a really strong run of form since the Manchester City game. You mm-hmm. know, I think that he didn't start or didn't have the brightest start to the season. Came on, had a little bit of uh, you know, with everyone else during the winter, had a little bit of a turn down, and you know. The question when Alonzo came back in, we went back to the, you know, 3-4-3 again is, you know, is Chilwell going to be able to make it in this team? And he's shown that he is very flexible and he was our most valuable attacking asset in this game. The amount of space and respect that they were showing to him uh, and the continued willingness he had to make those runs, get into good spaces. You know, I, I thought... You know, there was one time where he kind of tried to lay it up. I would have just rather he would have gone to shoot it again. He's got he's got a great foot. He's got a great boot. And is that when I yelled, "Stop passing it to Timo"? Yes, yes. It was <laughs> it was the moment when he needed to take the shot again. Oh, um, he went look, for the I mean, vol- He went for the the home run volley late in the game, where it's like that forty yard diagonal across the box, and he just went for it. And I was like, honestly, I'm fine with that. <laughs> the way things are going, go for it. Well, but I think to, to actually to the point Liam made, though, in that tweet where he talked about like all this summer spending. So let's talk about the summer spending just in, in the context of this. You know, how many people were asking for Regulon or for Tellez or for all these other players to come in and be a left back? And like sometimes the Premier League tax is actually worth paying when you get someone like Ben Chilwell, who does the business, who is super reliable, has been able to contribute both in the, you know, going forward and defensively. Um, you have Mendy who is, you know, pound for pound, you know, a, a much better signing and has proven to be, you know, highly valuable in the Premier League. Uh, and then you have Thiago Silva on a free that's done the business in, in central defense. And so three out of our signings, yeah, a couple of them haven't worked out perfectly. Uh, you know, Havers gets six with COVID. So, you know, you don't know what happens there. Um, Timo Werner has definitely been, you know, what not what we expected. And then Hakim Ziyech has not delivered what we thought he might. But to get half of them right and to count, say that you would account for three of those to be in every starting well, 11 because they're that, offering. That's not his point. Like his point is the attackers that you brought in didn't deliver what you thought you would get from an outputs perspective. Having Chilwell and having Silva in there is great and it's certainly mm-hmm. – helped us get over the line there's no doubt but that's that's not the point he's making well I, i'm just saying more of the context like the, it, talking about the disappointment of the summer spending like I, I get the point around like yes you would have hoped for 80 goals you know 90 goals 100 goals to be kind of coming out of this team in a side where you add ziesh and, and Werner and Havertz, scary but ultimately like you also added three that helped really shore up your defense because last year we were Swiss cheese back there. We were open doors. I, I was raising my hand because I agree with you because I wanted to add something to what you were saying. I wasn't Do it. saying. But what I think the important thing is here as well is without getting too deep about it as well, is you, you've got to understand like Kai Havertz is 21. Werner is 25. And Ziyech, I know he's a bit older than them. What is he, 27? But he, he came in having had his season stopped in Holland in like March. Then he didn't play until August when he got an injury against Brighton. Then he's had to pick up some form around that when he hadn't played for the best part of six, seven months. Right. Um, With Havertz and Werner, they're integrating into a new country where normally they would be able to go out, bond with their teammates, have their families around them. They're stuck at home in a bubble, but they can't go out and do anything. And I think the psychological impact on a lot of these players has been such that they've been turd. 
you know, and I really, and I really, you know, imagine you and your, you know, people talk about the struggles they've had in the last year, which are very real and true. Imagine what you're like when you're a football player being forced to play in big stadiums that are empty. You've got the world watching you, but it's, it must be so hard to get up for these games. And just because they're being signed for 70 million and they're paid 150 grand a week, we think that you should be able to turn it on just at the click of a finger. And I just feel like these new signings, I think they need to be given a little bit of, um, just a little bit of slack. Now, Werner's like this next year and we've got full stadiums and he's still running offside and he's just being generally frustrating and the same with Havertz and that he's not this, he's not looking like this generational talent that we expect him to be. Then I think that's a fair criticism. I just think at the moment is that let's not get caught up in the fact that Chelsea spent this much and that much on players. Let's look at the conditions under which they played. And I think that did impact this Chelsea team because we made more changes than any team in the league, right? And the league, the teams that have done okay are a really boring, turgid, one-dimensional Man United team that is just really settled playing under a boring manager. And then obviously Man City do do well later on in the season because they start off a bit shaky, but they do it because they're settled and they're like, they bought into what the manager wants and they know what they're doing. Yet they, and they had a few little tweaks here and there, whereas Chelsea sort of just changed so much. What was it six or seven new signings? Mm-hmm. No pre-season mm-hmm. to bed them in and, then you change your manager halfway through and you expect that you should be scoring more goals. You should be getting more points. It's like, let's look at the circumstances under which this happened. I just feel like looking at transfer fees, I think inflates the level of criticism that should be there. If it happens again next season, then that's a different story, right? But I just think now it's like sort of just considering what they've played under needs to be a factor in it. Well, real quick, credit point. Yeah, real quick, credit to Aston Villa fans singing Tammy Abraham's name. Uh, trolling it's us slash cool. maybe making uh, their interest known in him for next season. An overture, like. per, perhaps. Yeah, you know, he's going to Spurs. He's going to he Spurs. Had, well, you know, I'm just in the saying. Like, in the Cane deal. The Matt villain, Law will tell the villains you. Villains are, week. yeah, which we, we will definitely talk about. Um, uh, you know, and just the fact that he did so well when he was there, obviously, trying, you know, helping them get promoted. But it, again, it's like, seemed like a good option that that card is not being played at all um but the last thing i really think guys uh as we kind of pick apart a couple people is i was so frustrated with that midfield today Jorginho picking up that stupid yellow because he can't keep up with the play uh kovacic getting one too and i and i posted in the discord i was like now the problem is villa were already running at our midfield they can't put in attack we saw Jorginho and kovacic um pull out of many tackles that we really needed help with because now they were just running at the back line with space. Uh, I thought Jorginho was going to get sent off for the pen, just the way it was going. And like, look, we can put in a nutshell that Stuart Atwell or whatever Stuart, his Stuart name is. Stuart Atwell, you know, he's got pre, he, he's, he's not liked here. He's, he's sort of stuff's happened with him in the past where um, when he was coming through as a referee, there was a game at Watford. I forget what they were playing, but someone shot into the side netting and he called and it he gave in. a goal <laughs> oh my that was you, I, you should look this up on i'm gonna look this up while we're chatting it's something so, that always gets brought up about Stuart atwell it was a goal that shouldn't have been and he awarded the goal because it hit this and he was like yeah it's a goal and they're like it didn't even go in and he thought that the shot had broken the net and it, that's it great. It's va- var would have awarded it too that's just how you know how good var is it would have awarded it yeah <laughs> i look i 
it, shocking from him. I mean, I think I put more referee slandered in the Discord today than I had all season. Probably it was because Watford what, against Reading. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna send you the the link, the video on um, on the chat, and you can see it. So my my thing with this is just that the midfield was so pedestrian today, and we obviously know that we are saving Angola Conte for the Champions League final. But like, I know Jorginho has had a couple good runs under Tuchel. You know, Kovacic one play of the season last year, which, you know, whatever weird season in general, but it just kind of reminds me at the end of this season in crunch time, like this isn't it. And I hate having a two man midfield because I feel like it doesn't offer them any flexibility to go forward to be super impactful. And I think Tuchel has looked at this team, my opinion, Nick, that, and he said, our midfield is so basic that, you know what, we're just going to put two in there and I, we're going to play double six. I don't need you to go forward. I don't need you to shoot. I just need you to get the ball to the wingbacks and the attackers and let them do it because you guys can't handle it. Yeah, the 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 lack of the lack of production for the midfield is is largely due down to skill set, right? But also the way that the team is so reliant on someone like Mason Mount or Christian Pulisic or Ziyech or even Werner, who has who has provided you know a decent amount this year um to to make something happen but yeah i mean I, I think my biggest my biggest pain point today dan was just these are our leaders Jorginho, espilicueta kovacic is a, a leader on the field uh, just general horrible marking like our our leaders today in in a penultimate game of the season a game that really matters uh didn't show up uh, in a big way and and it's again when gary's talking about the the problem is larger you know, some some of our issues are larger than than what the manager situation is. I I look at this and I, I it really does not give me a whole lot of confidence going into next week. I'll well, the guys who are meant to be alphas in this team, they just have a habit of disappearing when the team needs them the most. You know, Jorginho, well, alpha. It's, yeah, it's it's really? easy it's easy to get up for Leicester City on Tuesday, right? They pissed you off. You lost to him in the final, yeah. and you know with the stupid banner thing and whatever that you got to go get up for it today, man, it might as well have been a trap game with everything on the line. It's just, it's crazy to me. I felt like as and Mount were willing the team forward, but that's kind of about it. Uh, I just think when, I think this is what I mean about this soft underbelly in midfield. You know, you, you guys were talking there about J five and cul-de-sac. It's like, no wonder Chelsea got overrun and lost. Yeah, the, the the midfield situation wasn't great, and also when you have Kovacic trying to shoot from distance, um, that also is not a sign that your attack plan is working. So, look, I, I think you know maybe there's a situation where you know Reese, who did kind of push into that midfield spot late in the game to offer us a, some attacking flexibility, could be maybe a wild card solution for the final. We did it for maybe, Wigan. Like, yeah, I know it's only Wigan, but you see him in the midfield though. He's a boss. Yeah, the kid doesn't he, mind letting someone know he's around and just knocking him off the ball and putting his foot in and actually doing something. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to force Pep into a really tough challenge, you put Angola Conte and Reese James in the center of the park there and say, "Just destroy, go destroy." It's like having two Terminators on the pitch. Like I, I, I wouldn't want to face that. I wouldn't want to try to game plan around it. And we know that we've, you know, done well on the flanks too. Christensen's probably going to be healthy, so he maybe comes back in there as well in the the back three. And like 
you know, you you're gonna you're gonna start to create some real problems. Um, do you think for... though the city will play um, will play Mendy at left back because James completely roasted him at Etihad? So there's that. So if you, I know you're talking hypothetically about maybe moving things around, but you you put James in the middle and then you lose Mendy getting completely roasted by James for ninety minutes in Porto. Yeah, I mean, it could be what uh, Zinchenko probably is the the other option, right? You know, does he? He's a, he's a better in? player, but just yeah. thinking if he plays Mendy, you know, James had his number, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I, but you know, I think that you know, the the other maybe odd odd situation too was just you know how much Grealish got away with today. Can we kind of talk about that? Was maybe a frustrating moment of this match? He didn't get booked, did he? No. <laughs> Look, Gary, I I don't know where you stand on Grealish and England national team. I well, I thought what he was doing because he went in a few times on Mount, mm-hmm. and I thought he was going in hard on Mount so that he could get Mount injured and then take Mount's place in the England squad for the Euros. Because I was like, and then they had words together. I don't know if you saw they had words. Oh yeah, them. yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just like, man. Look, I just feel like his shenanigans and his antics and shit are the reason he'll never like become top tier, right? At the end of the day, like Mount can get the shit tackled out of him. He can put in a tackle, but like he just gets on with it. And like Grealish gets so caught up in the in the ancillary part of the the match that doesn't matter. And I think that that's going to be his limiting factor. But he was, I mean, he just, he played the role of the villain to a T today. Uh, but to be fair, him dribbling at us put us on skates. It was very concerning. And then also Bertrand Troy having an absolute, I mean, he looked... So yeah, confident. He looked like he'd been at that stage for years. And you're just like, of course you are. No shit, right? Well, I mean, here's the problem when you sell your youth academy players to other teams in the Premier League, man. You're going to come up against them 38 times a year. And well, it's crazy. Technically, we didn't sell France. him to he another to Premier Leon, League team. He went to yeah. Leon first, and Leon <laughs> sold him to Villa. Well, when you have 900 academy players that you elect to sell and loan. When 10% and of the world footballers are all contracted <laughs> through Chelsea's academy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Traore would be getting in this Chelsea team anytime soon. But No. I, I listened to one thing today that our strikers didn't do, which was score. Yeah. And he was direct. He was pacey. He was confident on the ball. I mean, he was a huge house. I mean, Timo obviously took it personally. He was showing him up. Well, yeah. So that was the game. Finished it. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what else to say. All right. Uh, VAR, what's the point? Two potential penalties for Chelsea today. One blatant handball near the goal line. I understand Ming's hand is next to his body in a quote-unquote natural position, but it doesn't matter. I mean, literally, that was the only mass or object between the ball going in the back of the net and not. not. He's not Shakira, man. His hips... Like they, they don't do extend out, they, they don't <laughs> extend out like that. They hit, hit his hand and it's going into the goal. That has to be a handball. Like I, it would have been really harsh on him, and he could have felt aggrieved. But there, but there that's has why it's been all season. Some, some common yeah. sense about if the ball hits the hand and it's going into the goal. What are we doing? Well, that like, was well, a Liverpool Tottenham handball in the Champions League. A couple seasons ago, literally smashed it from three yards away into the defender's hand at his side pen. Liverpool goes on to win. I was actually more, I felt like we were more hard done by the Aspi offside and the, the team Ho goal. I, I think that was a What's crazy super... about that camera angle is they're giving offside and he's set at like a 45 degree angle. It's not like they're looking down the line. Yeah. 
But then if you remember that handball from Mings happened when Mount had the effort and Rob Holding used his hand, didn't he? And um, for Arsenal to stop in, I I saw that. I was like, Holding had a better hairline than the referee had a performance that night. (laughs) I was just like, absolutely horrendous. Shocking. (laughs) Absolutely shocking. Just okay. How can you not get in? You think about the Perez handball for the goal. Tielemans, amazing goal in the final. But how can that not be a handball? Look, I'm just handball. hoping in the we, first we, half of the cup final, they gave a handball against Thiago Silva for the same thing. We're, we're banking all the bad decisions so that we can redeem them come Saturday for some type of crazy VAR sanity that will make City fans feel absolutely aggrieved, but will help us in winning the Champions League final. That's all I this want. This is interesting. Is like, who, I who's the conspiracy going to work for? Because we're <laughs> enemies of football to UEFA. City are enemies of football to UEFA. <laughs> So who do they hate the most? And you're I mean, based to be on the city. bad decisions. No, I don't. Th- I don't think Chelsea. Well, I don't think Chelsea fans have booed the UEFA Champions League anthem. Yeah, no. But, but what we did have. is we retired two of their referees. Which <laughs> well, really did bad. we or did they retire themselves? Yeah, but I, I mean, think the circumstances under which they retired was a bit deplorable from Chelsea. But recency um, biased. Manchester uh, I just City's need Tuchel much... to go on the the offensive in the press conferences this week. Can he just talk about how VAR is against us? Refs are against us. We're not getting decisions to get in the head of the officials and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to hear it from him if we don't. I'm not, you know, just you know, corrupt their thinking a little bit. You know, this well, is all about the dark arts. This is all about of, manipulation. Speaking of that, I I'm will take. In here. I, I will take some more Tuchel. Just chewing up Stuart Atwell's ass at the end of the match and just laying <laughs> and, and him pretending to hold that up and just spitting I've got, out I've got whatever's a vision left. There and I shouldn't have had that vision. <laughs> Dude, Tugel could go on a dodgy website that I'm sticking there. to the fact that Tugel was lighting up Stuart at the end of the match, super fired up, super upset. He had a terrible game. But again, it just kind of is like that that's what you need. He was he was harassing the fourth official the entire match, as he should have been. I mean, that's just, you know, we're going to see more of that. Um, I I don't know. Anything else on VAR you guys want to talk about or just continue to, like, get kicked in the nuts by it? I mean, this is... Do we have like, a choice? The, the, the offseason with the PGMOL and the Premier League, they need to have a serious conversation about this. There is so much money at stake in the Premier League. For this to consistently be as bad, to get it right 50% of the time, is not good enough. You might as well bin it. Uh, I, I told people it took the NFL seven years for instant replay to actually reach a threshold of acceptability. It, but they don't see it that they get 50% people. of it right. They see it that they get like 98% of decisions right or something. You see the stats they release. So they see that they don't see they're doing anything wrong. Yeah, the fan cast went in on this too. And, you know, just talking about how a lot of referees are, you know, they have an, an ego and that they are almost uh, at Stokely Park, Stockley Park, Stokely Park, whatever the fuck it is. Stokely um, Park, yeah. Um, they're almost protecting the referee in the middle because they don't want, they don't want to overturn him and make him look bad because when he's their VAR, he's going to overturn him and make him look bad. So it's just helping cronyism and, and, and essentially propping up, um, but I think the problem is with it as well, though, is that it's just this idea of the rules being the rules and it not being the spirit of the game. So now what's happened is 
data geeks are like, yeah, but it's a centimeter offside. And if it's a centimeter offside, offside is offside. And it's like, you're being serious. Like, Chilwell's offside in the FA Cup final. Are you serious? Like, how, how can you give that? You, you can't tell either way. And then you, and then you need to start arguing about frame rates. And it's like, is that what football is? It's like, if, if that goal, for <laughs> if Chilwell's goal in the cup finals, use that as an example, if that had stood, Brendan Rodgers wouldn't have been on the TV moaning, going, I can't believe they've given it. You know? And so what you're doing is you're allowing the game to be overanalyzed to the nth degree where it's just not in the spirit of it. Yeah. And that's what's killing it. They've talked about time limits. If you can't figure it out in 30, 45 seconds and like it should not be, it's it's not clear and obvious type of a thing. I, I don't even um, think it's that. I think like what Wenger said was the best one is that if any part of the player's body is level with um, the defender on the offsides, then VAR should not be given offside. That they can't they can't go back and re-ref it. Because that's you, what they're you, doing. They're, they're re-refing in real time. Armpits, toes... Yeah, because because I mean, people are like, yeah, but offside is offside, and and they say it for their team because they're like, oh yeah, your, your mate, you know, your player's fingernail was offside, and then but when it happens to them, they'll argue the same point, right? And then we'll go, oh well, offside is offside. It's like VAR should be there to support the ref, not to override them. And what happens? The linesman leaves his flag down, and it doesn't get given, and you know Chelsea go on and score, or the other team scores or whatever, and it's all fine. But then when when they call it back for these real. You know, no, no one's complaining about an offside and they want to pull it back. So like, well, I'm, I'll have you believe that uh, in the ninth second of the ball being passed that he was uh, one centimetre offside, that he's, you know, you'll, you'll come down to players' haircuts, getting them offside and stuff. It's like, that's really what football is, is it? It's not. It's re- it really, really isn't. So I don't think VAR's the problem. I think it's the way that they're applying it is the problem. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, thank God we only had to rely on uh, goal line technology for our goal today, and they couldn't pull that one out somehow. So, uh, Dan, you did a Dan of the match on a loss. Yeah, you know, this was a special one. Uh, you know, just is the easiest one to run all season. Uh, four options, uh, B, A, L, and E. And uh, no surprise, uh, B took it with uh, 62% of the total. L, which our friend uh, Adi from CBS was like, uh, voted for the L because that's what we took today uh, with 18%, <laughs> A good. with 13%, and E with 8%. So uh, thank you uh, to the Welshman for helping us out today. All right. Well, the final table as it stands, Man City runaway winners on 86 points. Uh, Manchester United uh, crowned the worst runners up in the history of the Premier League on 74 <laughs> points. Liverpool somehow, you know, by the greatest by, the, by the grace of the media, have uh, rightfully returned to their deserved spot in third. And football is saved. Liverpool Talking. are back in Europe disgusting from the media uh chelsea in fourth on 67 i'm pretty sure when we were down they loved kicking us but no liverpool excuses injuries not their fault let's continue to make it a positive story about them uh leicester city in fifth again just falling in the last two weeks uh on 66 months i think they said they were top four weeks one through 36 37 and end it in week 38 outside um all right let's throw some west stones ham in here. europe baby yeah west, west ham in europe west ham sixth uh tottenham seven right arsenal eight winning last five out of five look at that in form top of the table um, the most informed team in the premier league at, as it, as it arsenal, they do it when it doesn't matter absolutely everton 10th remember that when they were going to win the league that was fun hey leeds New- finished top 10 that's that that's a shocker 
Hey, Newcastle went from relegation zone to 12th. That that I think that's is the, shocking. Yes, that's actually shocking. They were. Well, I think so we need bad. to praise Newcastle because them stuffing Leicester the other week is what basically got Chelsea Champions League on top of Spurs, right? Yeah. We need Steve Bruce keep him around. Uh, Wolves plummeting. Nuno's leaving. Uh, Powell's fourteenth. Hodgson's leaving. Southampton, Brighton, Burnley's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, and then Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United in that order, all plummeting down. Uh, we know that uh, who's who's joining from the championship next year. Uh, Not Bournemouth. We have Norwich coming back. Uh, who finished second? Uh, damn it! We I should know it. this stuff. I know my <laughs> my dumb brain. I had yeah, it. We, we've got to play our final between Brentford Watford. and Swansea. Watford, yeah, Watford's coming back. Another shit team, and then the playoff final is between Swansea and, and Brentford. And Brentford. Oh, will will Brentford choke it again? Tough. Be interesting, wouldn't it? That'd be a West London derby that we haven't had in the league for not my lifetime. Wow. Yeah. You're 79 years old. Gary Gray Hairs, Hayes. (laughs) Who wouldn't love Um, another uh, London derby? Yeah, if we need more. Uh, Absolute Chelsea uh, has another quote from Tuchel. When we look at what's next, he said, quote, a loss never feels good, but tomorrow I'll take lots of satisfaction. We reached the objective and congratulations to everyone. We're still a young team, players fighting for their first trophies, and now we arrive in Porto with full confidence, end quote. Who the fuck has full confidence (laughs) going into this one? Dan does. 1,000%. Dan doesn't care. Dan watched today's game and is like, you know what? Blip on the radar doesn't matter. We're good to we, go. We all we between this match and that match, we only need one goal to get back into the Champions League next season. That's all we needed. So yeah, this is eerily very Chelsea though. It's like when when you know in the mid nineties where we would play Man United, do the double on on them in the league, we'd win the FA Cup, but we'd lose to Coventry, guaranteed. Maybe that's what we're doing at the moment. Oh, I mean, there should be no issue and these players showing up although the fa cup final was not a great testimony for that you got a week of preparation at some point they got to fly to porto mendy came off injured in this match hopefully it sounds like it's precautionary uh naz tweeting um a quote from tuchel said quote we'll do everything so he's in between the posts on saturday and quote and i think i saw something else on twitter that said they just are waiting on a scan yeah so ribs into the post he said he's in a ton of pain they just need to see the scans, but yeah, it sounds like an injection is uh, is coming he, he did, to the. He did come area. out to watch the second half, though. So, like you know, at least was not in so much pain that he you know had to you know stay in the the room you know the room. Well, it sounds like Conti will be back with the squad on Wednesday, and they have no concerns with him being ready. Uh, but we still don't know. Uh, Chelsea obviously are not firing on all cylinders. It's not like we are an informed team, but. City seemed to be a bit of the team that we've had more success against than most. So who knows? And we'll be there. So that's got to account for something. I mean, have the have the odds. What, what is your to- record when you've been at games? I need to know this now. Winning record. We've only lost. We drew Atletico in the Champions League. That's our only European match we've been to. I, I, I was at um, uh, Chelsea versus Maccabre Tel Aviv. We crushed Correct. them. At Stanford Bridge. Yeah, so in goal difference, we're big. big. 
<laughs> Arbinger of things to come, that one. <laughs> I was also well, there when uh, we beat Arsenal 2 nothing, um in the infamous Mourinho get sacked season. Um, didn't do it this You season. were there for Brighton last season, weren't you? Yeah, we were there for we've only no, we've only seen two losses, I think. It's Spurs. we saw Spurs and Liverpool. Yep. Oh, you, at home. you were at Stamford Bridge for the Spurs Deli yeah, Alley yeah. game. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one of the that worst one hurt. I've ever wipe that negative energy away yeah. now. That one hurt a lot, but um, I think we like, need to get some sage and like stop burning it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to our to our big sage manufacturer slash sponsor of this show, please yeah. back up the truck to Gary's house. Um, <laughs> I need to be burning that and walking around. Was it Palisanto, whatever they call it as well? Burning that, getting rid of these evil spirits. Hey, Ch- <laughs> Chidge washed it all away with some Sambuca that night, so I think we're good. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, yeah we Dan, injected poison uh, uh, on that front. Cool. Dan, we have some odds, uh, which I'm excited to see if they move once our announcement that we're going hits uh, public airwaves. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I we're gonna even, move it. I don't even Real know where to, where to start with this. Um, I mean, do do you understand odds? No, do you understand gambling odds. Okay, that's, that's clearly part, because part we've had so much success when we've done it. <laughs> can, can you explain? Can you explain to me what these are as well, Dan? What does it mean, Pulisic plus one thousand? What What does that mean? Is that like fir- that's points? first to score? Like these are first to score for Chelsea. So what um, does that mean? He's got one thousand times more chance than someone else, or well, it's like it's like if you. If you Put put a hundred, you know the the average is a hundred dollars, right? So if you put a hundred on, you would win a thousand for the hundred that you. Oh right, there. so that's like yeah, ten to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, right. they think about it. Um, so C- City, right. obviously, the the odds on favorites, negative one hundred five, a draw at full time. I'm guessing then it takes us to penalties, uh, plus two thirty on most of these books, and it looks like Chelsea, um, anywhere between plus. 310 to plus 350. So put 100 down, you'll get 350 back if Chelsea win. Yeah, correct. So what? So if you put 100 down when City win, you, you actually lose, lose it 105. Five. Well, you're, you're, no. you're making, yeah, you get you $5. <laughs> you just <laughs> right. spend 100 is, to win, that, make five. That's why you um, wouldn't do that. <laughs> this is why I just don't gamble. I have not got a clue. Um, Same, bro. But yeah, the the, the scoring odds, um, I imagine, because you have not clipped them here, Nick, uh, are probably like De Bruyne, Foden, um, Jesus are all probably like the, you know, first any time scorers probably are at like negative 100 or plus 100 in terms of who yeah. it would be. And I'm sure it's not no Chelsea player is probably in the top four or five would be my so guess. So the, the scoring odds, the, the most uh like common scoring odds is an average of over 2.5 is, is the bet that a lot of people will, will post. And so those are the odds right now that are like kind of most consistent across the board. How, you know, that's the one is like when you see the odds going like crazy in one direction or the other, you want to find the one that's kind of the mean um, in terms of where the betting is going. And so over 2.5 seems to be the the line essentially right now. We should we should also say gamble responsibly and the best way to do that is by gambling uh on having a good time with friends and uh spending oh, that money on a case oh, of uh delicious crate. Uh, a crate, crate maybe of a delicious uh beverage. Such Doesn't as Doesn't be Coors Light. 
Yeah, but it could you you could have those mountains going. Gamble baby. with Wind Resorts Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we haven't gotten that check yet, Gary. Right? You gotta you gotta hold uh, off on that one. Yeah, you're not giving that shit away for free. Speaking <laughs> of getting paid, Chelsea's prize money in Europe this season, they've made it all the way to the final. Right now they've already cashed in on a hundred million. This again is the dirty reminder why Chelsea gave Tuchel the remit of top four and everything else was gravy. Uh, last year we made the round of 16 and we only got 72 million. I kid when I say only. Um, and then the previous year, uh, two seasons, cause we spent a year in Europa League, uh, we made it to the round of 16. It was 56 million. Um, it just shows that the money is going up. There's so much to be had here. It's just the, the easiest way. Uh, Gary, for clubs to get money that really, especially with Chelsea, goes right into the transfer kitty nine times out of ten. Um, I guess, but I think the, the most important thing for Champions League football is that there's going to be some big strikers on the market, hopefully, this summer. So regardless of the money, it's attracting them, right? Mm-hmm. And um, who's, your, who's your who's your power rank, real quick, Gary? Give me give your top three strikers I want Chelsea to sign this stum- summer. One, two, three. Oh, Harry Kane, Harry Kane, Harry Kane. Don't want anyone else. Jackpot, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I, I don't want Haaland, not because I think he's rubbish. I just don't want Chelsea to get in bed with Raiola because Chelsea have done this so so often with agents and the agents screw the club and the agents are pushing the players to leave after two or three years. I just don't think a leech like that should be connected to Chelsea. Obviously, incredible player, but I just think Kane, first and foremost, because I just think in this team, he would... He says he wants to be scoring goals like Messi and Ronaldo. He would, because we create the chances. You you said at the top of the show, right, about the XG. Chelsea have got the talent to produce the chances. They've just got no one to finish them. He smashed his goal in today, too. Yeah. yeah. Kane in this team, it would just be, we'd win the title. You, you look, the last time we had a really, really good striker, I'm, and I was, it was ahead of the City game. Chelsea had put out the, the tweets, the videos of when we played City under Conte in... Um, 16, 17. And I just saw the way, I know it's only Otamendi, but I just saw the way Costa just destroyed him to score the goal that brought us back into the game. And then his link-up play for William to score to make it 2-1. And I just started thinking about watching Costa in that team. And I was just like, that's why we were winning titles and we were doing stuff then. And we haven't had any, since he fell out with the club and the manager, it just sort of ruined it. And then if you think about what we did with Drogba, and I just feel like, Kane would be that player to take this team. Obviously, there's problems at the back, right? But I think that if you can get Kane, just push the boat out for him. And so, first and foremost, he's a good player. But I just, I'd love it, love it, I'd love it if we won something with Kane <laughs> and Spurs. would be like, well, you know, 1961, we did the double. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, we just signed Kane. If you're one of your own, and he's come to us because, you know, you couldn't give him what we could. That's why Eden Hazard came, won the Champions League. There you go. There you go. Win the Champions League, sign Harry Kane. Big Rom any day. Mm, See, I just just find him too... He stays healthy for most of the season, unlike Harry Kane. (laughs) I just thought, yeah, but Kane... The problem with Kane is that he's had to do everything at Spurs, right? Everything, whereas at Chelsea, everything wouldn't go through him in the same way. And it'd be able to be rested at times. And I just find Lukaku just... He's too ploddy. Bloop, 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 bloop. Come on. Just uh, I, I would go back and watch. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much you've watched <laughs> it in this season, uh, but his, his highlights are uh, are very impressive this season. 
Who's that? Even today, even today, his luck, his luck in one match to score a goal that bounced off of him is a bit better than Chelsea's luck in like 20 different games this season. So I will, what, I will what you find is like those streaky strikers come to Chelsea and they lose all their luck. Oh man, he, he's been good. He's been good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's been nah. good and he'll be healthier. So, oh, hey, hey, that more discussions come this summer. I promise. So, wait, so, a lot of wait, so Dan, you want Lukaku. I well, if you could get Harry Kane, which I don't think is the option. Sure, yeah, he forget be number one. We're, we're yeah. doing FIFA Sim here, career mode. This isn't real life. <laughs> yeah, I would put Kane Lukaku as probably the one too. Nick. Um. Yeah, I mean, if we're taking Holland off the board, then Lukaku and I don't know who else. I, I'm not. I'm not a big Kane person personally. Brandon, you were quiet. You didn't say anything. I think. I think you're crazy to pass on uh, Holland, assuming it's FIFA career mode and agents don't inter- <laughs> interfere. Um, and then I think, um, fuck, I mean, I don't, I honestly think you could go either. If you get Kane or Lukaku, I'm good. Like, I, I don't know if I have the ability to split the two. I think they're both big target men that just smash the ball in the back of the net. Um, Let me give you one. Tammy Abraham, fun. Let's do it. Oh, he's there the, you go. He's, he's the bargaining chip, sadly. So, all right. Well, look, we we are going to have more season reviews. We're going to have uh, keep so long. We're going to have summer updates and transfers and all that stuff. I promise we're not going to uh, continue to drag this out in this episode. But uh, Gary, thank you so much again for for jumping on the pod. We're going to bring you back this summer and continue to uh, pick your brain for more ideas. And what is it? Uh, Just what's controversial the, hot takes, right? Oh, absolutely. Anything to send Nick into a spin. (laughs) (laughs) You you got me like three times today where I was like, what in the hell is going on? It's great. You should see our Brandon, I was going to wear a Chelsea shirt, but then after that loss today, I couldn't bring myself to do it when I got showered just for this. So I wore my Bob Dylan More Blood on the Tracks t-shirt for you because you're from, no, you're not from North Dakota, though, are you? You live in North Dakota. I know. I'm in Minnesota. Come on. It's all the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, and this is like this is the breakup album as well. So I feel like today was like a breakup with Chelsea that will be back on tomorrow. Yeah. It's complicated. Dating status. It's complicated. I like it. <laughs> um again, go check it out. Uh, Gary's been with uh Carrie, he's been doing a bunch of um the Twitter spaces live. So I'm assuming you'll do them for Champions League, won't you? We're doing it on Friday. I'm going away for a um romantic weekend. Um so I'm doing it on Friday before the game um, right. and hopefully we're going to have a special guest all right now you said it. Duh, i will do it but i don't know <laughs> if he's going to turn up <clears throat> all right keep an eye out again we got more content coming at this, this week um would really appreciate if you went over to gary's twitter and thanked him for being on the pod as always um we got more content coming things. we're <laughs> we're going to be doing uh, a lot of stuff getting ready for the trip so uh again last chance get the shirts orders in in the next 48 hours or so so that way we can get it to you so anyways that's gonna wrap us up chelsea fans wild wild end of the season 38 Premier League matches have been played chelsea top four somehow thanks to other teams around us but that's gonna wrap us up so as always chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high 